Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. All right, folks, what I'd like you to do is is, uh, we're going to go over now into John chapter 14. John chapter 14, we're going to focus on verses 15 through 18. But let's talk about for a moment why we're doing this series. Because if you're like me, and a lot of us are human, so I think we all struggle in the same ways, we don't like feeling alone. And understand what I mean by that, because you can be with a crowd of people. You ever been with a crowd of people and you still feel alone? I mean, you're with people. You can be even with at family, at a family gathering, but you still feel alone. And we don't like that. Let's be honest. Even if you're, an, I'm, I'm an introvert. I don't like being alone. I can only take people so much, but I don't like being alone, though. Do you, you know what I'm saying? I don't like being alone. And, and I think that is probably the one thing we don't like is the feeling of loneliness. And that is especially true in your spiritual walk. Because here you are, you're trying to follow Jesus. And when you face the things that you're facing, I don't like being alone, feeling alone. And you don't like feeling alone. Because whatever you're going through, even though people will come along and say, yeah, I understand. No, you don't. You ever felt that? You don't understand how I'm feeling. You know, I I went through that. Yeah, you may have went through something like that, but you're not going through what I'm going through right now. It's me with my feelings. We we don't like that. And, And especially what we don't like is feeling that we're abandoned by God. Because you pray, and believe me, when it when you're in the fire. You've gone from the frying pan into the fire and things are really intense right now with whatever's going on in your life. You're praying and it seems like, and I've heard people say, I feel like my prayers aren't going beyond the ceiling. I feel like God's not listening to me. Oh, I know he's busy, but listen, listen. We say all these different things and the reality is it's because we don't like feeling alone and we want... We want somebody with flesh to hold us. We want God to hold us. So we struggle. That's why we're doing this series. To talk about you're not alone. The fact of the matter is, when you go through John chapter 13, through John chapter 16, Jesus keeps making the point, I'm going away, I'm going away, I'm going away. And that would be devastating to them because they just spent three years with him watching him do wonderful things, giving their lives to follow him. Some of them left their livelihoods to follow him, and now he says, I'm going away and you can't come with me. So last week we were in John chapter 13, and and it says, I'm going away, but a new commandment I give you. What's that commandment? That you love one another as I've loved you. Why, Why was he stressing that? He was basically saying, I'm going away, but you're going to have each other. But we just said, didn't we, that sometimes having each other isn't enough, right? Because I just said, you sometimes feel isolated even when you're in a group. You feel isolated even 
when you're in a crowd and sometimes you just wonder, Jesus, where are you? Now, the reason why we're going up to verse 15 is that Jesus is going to continue his discussion of what he talked about in the verses we looked at last week because he had to, for a moment, address some other issues. The disciples, they're asking him different questions. Trying to under, show us the Father. That's one of the questions. And, and of course, Jesus says, how long have I been with you? Have you not known that when you see me, you see the Father? Those are the things he talks about there. So after answering their questions, he gets back to the main issue that he wants to address here. And that brings us to verse 15 through 18. So let's look at this together and look at what he's saying here. If you love me, Keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So remember, let's go back. If you look at what he's saying there in verse 15, keep my commandments. What's he talking about, keep his commandments? Well, he just told us that earlier before he got answering their questions. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. But then right after that, stressing about loving each other, folks, he gives you the most wonderful promise ever. And if you and I would just take a moment to understand it, it'll blow you away. I mentioned this last week. I'll mention it again. Haven't you and I been like Martha? John chapter 11, her brother Lazarus dies. She sends word for Jesus to come. He purposely delays coming. Lazarus dies in the meantime when he shows up. Martha, the first thing out of her mouth is, Lord, if you had been here... He would not have died. That's what the scripture says. Lord, if you had been here. Isn't that what we think sometimes when we're going through it, when we're, we're facing the situations, when loved ones are going through crises or health crises or whatever? We wonder, Lord, if you had been here, Lord, if you had showed up, Lord, if you had answered. It's because we feel like he's distant from us. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? We feel like he's distant from us. He's not with us. And so we, we wish he was here with us. That's why this promise that he's going to give us is so powerful, so meaningful, if you would just grasp it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take what we're looking at here, and we're going to divide it into three sections. We're going to look, first of all, at love expressed. We're going to see that in verse 15. We're going to talk about what it means to love, because he told us, if you love me, do this. Okay, so we're going to talk about loving Jesus, what that means. Then we're going to talk about the helper. He mentions that he will pray for the Father and he'll send another helper. So we're going to talk about the helper, verses 16 and 17. And then verse 18, we're going to talk about the motivation, the motivation of why Jesus did this, that you and I need to remember. Because I'm going to be honest with you folks. I know because I get this way. When the heat is on, and there's no letting up on the pressure of whatever the situation is that you're facing. And let's be honest, sometimes the situations that we face, did we create them? No. Did we ask for them? 
No, nobody's like in the morning, oh, I wish I have a big problem today. Nobody's like that. But then you wonder, do you care? We're going to see his motivation here. So let's look at this together because this promise is so powerful. And I hope that when you grasp it, you will never think that you're alone. All right, so let's talk about love expressed. Look with me at verse 15. He says this, If you love me, keep my commandments. Two things I want you to see here. First one is this, love for the Lord has to go beyond shallow expressions. Love for the Lord has to go beyond shallow expressions. I'll be honest with you, in our church culture in North America, it is so easy to talk about loving the Lord. Oh, I love the Lord. Love you, Lord. I lift my hands to you, Lord. I sing my praises to you, Lord. I just want to thank the Lord. I just want to thank the Lord. And and a lot of us think of loving the Lord only in terms of what we say. But loving the Lord, actually, Jesus is telling us here, goes beyond just simply shallow expressions. How can you say that, George? I, I love him from my heart, and that comes out of me during worship. I'm telling you, talk is cheap. Do you know what I mean? It's like any human relationship. Do you have somebody who tells you they love you? Oh, I love you, I love you, but they keep doing you wrong? Talk's cheap, right? It is no different with the Lord. And how can you say that, George? Well, look at what he says here, verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do what I'm telling you to do. So that brings me to my second point, is that love for the Lord is seen in our obedience to his commands. If you love him, it's going to be seen in how you obey what he tells you to do. Well, what do you mean by what he tells us to do, George? You know, I've been around church a long time, and I've been told that there are all these things that I need to do and shouldn't do that... Well, I really can't find them in the Bible, so what are you talking about his commands? Well, let's be honest, folks. Yes, I understand. In church world, sometimes we are told to do things and not do things that have no basis in the Bible. But that's not what I'm talking about here. But there are things in the Bible that you are told by God right off the bat, and there's no second-guessing it. We understand the Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt... I mean, we understand that, right? Thou shalt not murder. Jesus goes one step further and says, if you hate someone in your heart, you've murdered him. If you've lusted after somebody in your heart, you've committed adultery with them. I mean, those are pretty real. That, that's from God. That's his commandment. Here's one that is in the context of what we're talking about. When he says here, keep my commandments, he's bringing them back to his earlier discussion where he says, a new commandment I give unto you that you what? Love one another. So you say you love God? Wonderful. Do you love people around you? That's what really expresses it. It's not whether or not you're doing everything some preacher told you to do. It's whether or not you're doing what God told you to do. See, that's love expressed. Now, here's the interesting thing, though. So let me ask you a question. So you think about this. 
I show my love to the Lord by being obedient to him. Let me just ask you a realistic question and see if you agree with what I'm saying. Have you ever considered for a moment the things God actually tells you to do? And have you considered for the moment that they're not easy to do? Would you agree with me on that one? Would you agree that sometimes it's almost impossible to do, right? Would you agree with that? So it sounds like we're caught in a catch-22 situation, isn't it? Well, we want to express our love for him, but it's almost impossible for us to do that. How can we, how can we do this then? It's almost like I'm just, I'm also just hanging up, God. You're asking me to do, how can I do this? Because Jesus, you're not here. It was easy for the disciples because they had Jesus with them, right? Keep them on track, give them strength, help them out. But Jesus, you're not here. I think it's interesting that he tells us in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then he follows up immediately with a discussion about a helper. Now, let me explain to you. Your Bibles, each Bible has something different. So if you're using uh, a King James Bible, it's comforter. New King James says helper. Some of your other modern translations will say helper. But you remember the old hymn, The Comforter Has Come? Remember saying that? If you're older here, maybe you do, you know. But where did that come from? It came from this passage. Well, that comes from the Greek word that we don't have an equivalent for in our modern language, which is parakletos. That is the Greek word here that is used. He will send us a parakletos. Now, what does that mean? Well, in its essence, here's what it means. Someone who comes alongside of you. So that's why some translations translated helper. That's why some translations translated comforter. Some translations will translate it, are you ready for this? Counselor. Someone who comes alongside of you. And the implications of that is someone who will, that's why the New King James says helper, someone who will what? help you. So you're not alone. So there's three things I want you to see here from verses 16 through 17 that talk about this helper. So let's look at verse 16 and 17. Again, look in your Bibles. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. All right, three things here. Number one, the Father will give us another helper like Jesus. So think with me for a moment. Would it not be totally awesome for Jesus to be with you? Would that not be totally awesome if, if Jesus kind of like hung out with you day in, day out? Now, some of us would be like, whoa, I don't know that I can handle that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you might stop some things, hopefully. But just the awesomeness of having Jesus with you day in and day out to face what you're facing. Do you feel like you could face anything if you had Jesus with you? Think about that. If you had Jesus with you, could you face anything? Yeah, you better believe it. 
But George, Jesus isn't with me. Jesus is with the Father. When he rose, he, he ascended. He's seated on the right hand. He's not here. Yeah, but notice what he's telling us. He's going to send us another helper like Jesus. God is going to send you, God the Father is going to send you and I another helper like Jesus. You're not alone. The moment you became a believer, he entered into your life. He sealed you. How do you know that? Well, it's not on the screen. I'll just, I'll just turn there real quickly because my mind just went to it real quick. Ephesians chapter 1. Listen to verse 13. In him you also trusted. That's talking about Jesus. You also trusted. After you heard the word of truth. That's talking about salvation. The gospel of your salvation. All right, now listen to this. In whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. What promise? This promise. After you believed, you were sealed with what? The Holy Spirit. Well, how long is he going to be with me? Look at verse 14. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased promise to the praise of his glory? He's with you until you go to be with Jesus. Isn't that an awesome promise? We just talked about how great it would be if we had Jesus with us. And he says, I'm sending you somebody like Jesus. I've asked the Father to send you another helper like me. Some of us need to wake up to that reality. That the Spirit is with us. He's with you right now. So let's go on to the second thing. If you go back to John. Here's what I want you to see. This helper will remain with all believers forever. You are never alone. Now do you understand why some of the epistles, Paul's epistles will say things like this. Do not grieve the Spirit. He talks about that here in Ephesians chapter 5. How do we grieve the Spirit? Anybody know how we grieve the Spirit? Our sin, right? Why? Because He's with you forever. Other passages will talk about 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And do not quench the Spirit. That is, snuff out his work in your life. Why? Because he's with you. How do you do that? Your sin. Jesus is saying, I'm praying to the Father that he will send you a helper like me and he will be with you forever. Is that not awesome? Even when you think you are alone, even when you think God is not listening, he's with you. He knows. He's with you. He hears. And the reason why, can I be honest with you, I've realized this, the reason why you don't think he's there is because you're so distracted you don't even realize it. And that happens, right? What's going on? My mind is somewhere else. I, I lose reality. And when we're in the midst of it, we lose reality. What's the reality? He is always with you forever. Always with you. Here's the third thing. 
This helper, verse 17 tells us, this helper is the spirit of truth that indwells all believers. Now, when he says it here, verse 14, understand he's, he's, he's reflecting something future. Look at what it says, verse 17. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now that's future tense there, will be in you because it's talking to the disciples before what? Pentecost, when the spirit would come. But we are after Pentecost so therefore, the Spirit is with us. This helper is the Spirit of truth. What does that mean? This is God who is in you, who guides you into truth. And we're going to see that as we continue on here in, in our study about you not being alone. This is God who guides you. It's the Spirit of truth. So when he's convicting you about something, and he does convict us, right? He does convict us about the things we shouldn't be doing. It's not like, oh, you're just being a prude. No, it's because he's the spirit of truth and he knows what's right and wrong for you and I. So when he encourages you, it's the spirit of truth. This is the helper. You're not alone. Listen to me. So last week we saw... You're not alone because you're in a group of believers and you are commanded to what? Love one another. But yet you and I know that that sometimes isn't enough if we only had Jesus. Well, guess what? He sent you another helper who is always with you. Always with you. Now, the one thing that you and I need to grasp is why did he do that? What do you mean? I thought it's because he loves me. Well, it... He expresses why here in verse 18. Look with me at verse 18, and I'm going to give you a few thoughts here. I call it the motivation. Whose motivation? Jesus' motivation. Look what he says in verse 18. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now, here's the problem. The problem is, is we read this through our 21st century eyes. What do you mean, George? Well, when we read orphans, we understand what orphans are. They're, they're somebody who doesn't have a mom and dad, but in our society, in our culture, they're usually taken care of by somebody. I don't want you to see it through the eyes of the 21st century. I want you to see it through the eyes of the time of Jesus. And so here's what I want you to see. Here's three things I want you to see about his motivation. First of all, Jesus expresses his personal desire for us while he is away. This statement, verse 8, is a, an expression of a personal desire that he has for his followers, for his disciples at that time, for you and I as we are in this world until Jesus comes back. This is his personal desire. So what I want you to see is, is Jesus is thinking about you. He's thinking about me. He loves us so much that even though he's going away, He's thinking about you. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? He's not distracted by going to be with the Father. He's still thinking about your well-being, about your care, about how you're going to be while he is away. He's thinking about you. And so he expresses his personal desire for us. Is that not awesome to think about? Because sometimes I know, I get there, I do this. 
Do you love me, Lord? Do you care about what's going on in my life right now? Don't we, don't we say those kind of things quietly in our heart? Aren't those the feelings that we have? Jesus expresses his personal desire for us. Here's the second thing. Jesus does not want to abandon us as orphans in this world. Now let me help you understand that from their perspective. When Jesus says to his disciples, I don't want to abandon you as orphans, they understood what that meant. Let me tell you what that meant. In the bottom rung of society, whether it was in Israel or in Rome or in Greece or in Asia Minor or in North Africa, in the bottom rung of all societies in all nations at that world were two people, the widows and the orphan. They were the destitute. They were the poor of poor. There were no welfare systems to take care of them. There was no kind of structure whatsoever to take care of them. They were the destitute. They were basically abandoned by fate. What do you mean abandoned by fate? Well, somehow they got separated from their parents. Maybe their parents died. Maybe their parents left them to be exposed and somebody else grabbed them or somehow they survived. Whatever the situation was, they were abandoned. Totally alone in this world. No hope, no hope for anything. It was a hard life. So here comes Jesus. Remember, I just told you he expresses his desire for you and I. Here's what I want you to see. He is telling us he doesn't want to abandon you as an orphan. He doesn't want to hang you out to dry in this world. He doesn't want to leave you alone. Isn't that awesome to think about that? Isn't that the thing sometimes we feel that way? But I'm telling you, that's not the heart of God here. That's why he sent you the helper, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. Do you see what I'm saying? He loves us too much. Even though he has to go away, he's thinking of you and I. You're not alone. And with that, Jesus also gives us a promise. Look at what he says there, last part of verse 18. I will come to you. Jesus also expresses his promise to come for his followers. Folks, I am going away, but I'm going to send, I've asked the Father to send you another helper, to send you another comforter, someone to come alongside of you. That's all that he expresses there. A, a counselor, somebody who, the spirit of truth who will be with you forever. But I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm not going to abandon you. You're not going to be abandoned because you have the helper, but I'm coming back. Is that not awesome? He loves us. Don't ever call that into question. He loves you. And even though he's not here right now with us, he is here through the person of who? The Holy Spirit. Because that's who he sent to be with us. 
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.